Well, greetings and salutations, one and all, to the one and only Superview Show's Mixed Bag coming to you live once again from many different caves. As always, I am joined by my incredible co-host, Bill and Justin. What's going on, guys? Hi, everyone. I'm what back. Yes, Bill is back, and Justin filled in for Bill last week uh, with our last week's Bill, fill in. He's always here. He's always here. Don't worry. Anyway, I told you, Jake, he'd lock the back door. I did, Bill. Don't worry. Um, anyways, Bill's back, and that means we're back to our regular scheduled programming, which means no more comic book shit. <laughs> no, no, we could do comic book shit another time. Just I'm, I'm more. One day. One day we'll do something. I just got to read more comic books, but that requires reading. I uh, will get you a graphic novel, Bill. Don't worry. But uh, anyways, as I, we digress. So I've just as so just one just a quick reminder everyone that we the best podcast of course as we always the, we the best, best podcast we the best podcast um anyways, but you know what's gonna really make us the best podcast what's that Bill you gotta like and subscribe yes like mm. subscribe join the Superview Show Fan Club our merch and store is available online too don't forget to hit that bell yes hit, hit that bell for that bell everyone hit, hit that, that bell. bell cool. Anyways, we're off to a great start, as always. Uh, as the title of this podcast is just, we're kind of killing two birds with one stone tonight, Bill. What up, do we up, got? Up, we can't say that anymore. Oh, sorry. What According to PETA, we have to say, feed two birds with one stone. Yeah, that's that's just as dumb as it sounds. Yeah, we're killing two birds with one stone. Sorry, PETA. Sorry, PETA. But anyways, Bill, as the title of this podcast suggests, we are talking about... Okay, you know what? This was a little me- mis- up, mishap on my plate, so um, I'm sorry for the mishap. And Justin, when's, when does the apology tour start? <laughs> so, Bill, when did you realize that there was a difference between a sleeper hit and the cult classic? When, I, when Justin told me. Oh, boy. Okay, so yeah, anyway. How long ago was that? What was that, Justin? And how long ago was that? About ten minutes ago, um, yeah, before we went live, we had to have quick discussion. Yeah, but anyway, uh tonight we're gonna be talking about. I thought sleeper hits and cult classics were the same thing, and they actually weren't. And um, <laughs> oh boy! So I had Justin inform me that it wasn't the same thing. So we're just gonna kill two birds with one stone tonight and just talk about both. So as I said in my bit, um, we're going to be discussing cult classics and sleeper hits tonight. And the main difference between the two is quite simple. One made money. One did did not. Um, Can you see why I get them confused or am I the dumbest person on the planet? Well, here's the thing. With a sleeper hit, they're usually called sleeper hits because the studios don't have faith in the project. Mm. Or the fandom doesn't have faith in the project. And it was viewed as kind of doomed from the start. And then word of mouth became positive, And then people came in droves to see the movie. Hence... Sleeper hit. Yes. 
cult classic is usually loved by a small group of people. Um, it's usually a movie that it could be what became what's the beginning of a sleeper hit, the studio ha not having faith in all that. Or it could be a movie that had tons of marketing that just bombed. Yeah. Like trying to imagine like trying to imagine like if Deadpool had bombed, that marketing campaign would have been a disaster. But because the marketing campaign was good, the movie ended up making a lot of money. This is a prime example of that in the opposite way. But yeah. Yeah. So but anyways, uh, so what movie did we want to start with tonight? Who wants to go first? So are we doing sleeper hits or cult classics first? Let's do sleeper movies first and get that out of the way, if that's okay with you guys. Okay, that sounds that actually sounds good. So this was this was Bill's topic in a sense. So Bill, what Okay, what, what, sleeper what, hits. Sleeper hit movie that you got. Okay, you know what actually was a sleeper hit in this movie actually became and this film actually won best picture all right okay. and you know what it was what dun 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 the little movie that could yes rocky won Yes, the film actually was made on a dollar on a budget of one million dollars. I think in two years this movie's gonna turn fifty. I know, right? That's scary. But go on. And, and um and this movie, because for those of you who don't know the story, Sylvester Stallone, like, invest, put in, like, was literally down to, like, his last couple hundred dollars mm -hmm. when he wrote, when he wrote this. Yep. And to, and to make this. And, and you know what? Seven years beforehand, he... I think his mom like did his horoscope or something, and she said, "The net." She goes, "The next seven years of your life will be miserable." And seven years later, Rocky premiered, mm. and and the movie started on a budget of one million dollars. It ended up making two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. That's something to sneeze at, by the way. That's a that shows you how simple things can happen with movies. So, and, and keep in mind that this is back when the wide release was just becoming the popular trend in distributing a movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, like that that's, is true. that's big money, and. And you got to think about it this way. This wasn't, this movie didn't have like stars or 
this was a cast of mainly unknowns. Yeah. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone was an unknown at the time. Yeah, it was his breakout role too. Talia Shire. Uh, she comes from a she comes from a family in show business, if you know what I mean. The name in the movie is probably Burgess Meredith. And he we, and Burgess Meredith, guys, let's not forget he was the Penguin in the Batman TV show. He's a big actor. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. Yeah, Rock, you got this. <laughs> and this is from Rocky Bob. Get up, you son of a bitch. Mickey loves you. Um. Yeah. <laughs> rest in peace, Burgess Meredith. We miss you. Yes. Um. But yeah, this was the movie. But then I think it started with word of mouth. And then mm-hmm. before you know it, boom. Boom! It the Rocky franchise. The hit that it is today. The franchise that it is today. And it won Best Picture. Yeah. Six movies. I'm not counting the Creed movies as I look at those as their own thing. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Agree or disagree? I mean, they're kind of their spinoffs, so... I kind of look at them as their own thing. That's fair. So I'm going to say the rock. So this was a sleeper hit. Did you guys know that a fun fact about Rocky, the film was shot over 27 days. The movie only took less than a month to to film. Wow. In Philadelphia, they actually filmed it on site. In the the neighborhoods now are terrible, but like they're like crack cocaine field in Philly, whatever on the streets that were where they filmed the movie initially. Um, yeah, yeah, now, but like back then, it was like you know they were good neighborhoods and whatnot. Besides the point, though, um, I just want to just to to Bill's just to piggyback on Bill for a second here. Let's not forget Rocky was. I mean, it's kind of like Star Wars in a sense. I'm sure we might talk about that in a sec, too. I'm not sure, but we'll see. Oh, just you wait. And <laughs> also, wait. here's an interesting fact. About Rocky, yeah. Um, Stallone dropped out of college, and because he was and he was a couple credits short of graduating. And mm-hmm. I want to say, because I watched his Inside the Actors Studio interview back in the 90s with the late, great James Lipton. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the college called him and said... Give us the original screenplay for Rocky, and we'll count that towards your credits. Wow. And he got his degree. So Rocky technically helped him pass college. There you go, Sly. There you go. They said, give us the original screenplay of Rocky, and we'll count it. Hmm. So, see, this was the movie that everyone thought was going to, you know... Yeah. Everyone everyone probably just looked down on it like, hmm, yes. Yeah. Your two biggest but, stars are the penguin from the Batman movies and and the sister of Francis Ford Coppola. Hmm, yes. And they made it all work. Yeah. Talent Shire is Francis Ford Coppola's <laughs> sister. Correct. There's a fun fact to impress your friends with. Oh yeah. And she's Nicolas Cage's aunt. 
Another That's fun fact to impress your friends with. Another, this has been Fun Facts with Bill. This has been Real Facts with Bill. With Bill. Vinny, we got to get you your T-shirt. Yes, we, uh, but yes. For those who don't know, we ran a contest that Bill, if someone can guess the th- what what song does Bill parody with the random facts with Bill theme song, and our friend Vinny guessed it right, and now we have to get him a shirt. And he wins four things. One wasn't he, O'Reilly's auto parts. What was oh that? My God, Justin. No, <laughs> no he wins. First of all, he wins self satisfaction. He wins a handshake. He wins a signed one eight hundred got Bill T shirt signed by me. Yes, signed by Bill. Everyone signed and by Bill. The most important thing, you know, when he wins, what's that, Bill? He wins my respect. Whoa. Hey, bud. Just remember, don't wash the T shirt. Just don't <laughs> wash the T shirt. Put it in a frame somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the shirt frame was signed by Bill. <laughs> Signed by Bill. Okay. Not that he could probably read it because my handwriting is garbage. And Justin could testify to that, can't you? Yes. Yeah, we but now we gotta talk about uh we gotta move on. We gotta go to the next one here. Yes, so, uh, we don't want to yeah. talk about my handwriting. That's gonna bore people to death. All right, J Man, what do we got next? Well, there I was minding my own business. I, I, I gotta put my sorry about that, everyone. I gotta pull up my list here for a second. because uh, I'm I'm trying to think of what movies Forgive me. This was a kind of like a surprise one for me, at least. But uh, I, I gotta find my ratings. One second. Um, we'll talk about it really quick. Um, for those of you, I'm, I'm for those of you who know me and watch me for any period of time, or listen to our podcast. Uh, I am not the biggest horror fan. I mean, I cannot. I jump scares are just not. I mean, horror movies to begin with are not really my thing. I can't really like envision like death upon people. You know, that's. It's really dark stuff for me, like you know, slasher films in the '80s and whatnot. I just, I, I want to see like Nightmare on Elm Street. I want to see Halloween. I just, the jump scares and the stuff really got to me. But I will say, there's one, there's there's one franchise, there's one film that started from a, a box office, a film that just just like Bill said with Rocky, but with word of mouth, this movie. Uh, became a, a, a small franchise, if in a, in a sense, no, nowhere near the caliber of a Rocky or a Rambo or a Terminator or whatever. But it was original idea by Sam Raimi. But Evil Dead, 1981, guys. This movie was shot in 1979. It is, it is the bloodiest movie I've ever seen. And the safe search is off. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, Evil Dead from 19. I can't show you guys. For those of you watching this live. Are the graphic? It it is a gore fest movie. Like there's a lot of blood in this movie, and it's just it's not like you can tell the effects are poor and cheesy, but my god, the the stuff is like the actual go, bl- amount of blood that's in this movie is cathartic. It's terrifying. Uh, Evil Dead. The way that this movie came about was it was actually Sam Raimi's directorial debut. I don't know if you guys knew this. Uh, it was Sam Raimi. The, the guy did Spider Man. He did, you know, uh, one of the Oz movies, Oz the Great and Vile, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, someone fact check me on that. But Evil Dead was his first movie in 1989, 80, uh, 81. Sorry, 99, wrong year. Uh, and he filmed it over the course of 1979, um, way back then. True story. They actually, it's about, so for those who don't know about this, 
It's a movie that takes place. These five college kids with two boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, one of their sisters go into a cabin. It's your stereotypical horror movie. But what made it so appealing to me, at least, was the gore. Like the actual, how to explain this? Five people go into a cabin and one comes out alive. And all, all in one night, like the tree, like rapes the girl. It's bloody as can be. There's chainsaw, you know, it's in, it's a fright fest of a movie. Um, but that being said, this movie, it's, it kind of fits both of our topics. It was a sleeper movie and anyway, it's a cold classic too. But um, I do have it on Blu-ray. I, I, I do watch it every Halloween, every once in a while. Uh, my parents can't watch it. True story. My dad loves our content. I just want to say this out there. This is my dad's first and last yeah. horror movie ever. It was my dad's ah. first and last horror movie ever. I'm sorry, yeah. dad. Hate to rub it in your face, but what's that, Justin? Yeah, that's a good one to end off on. No, exactly. Um, but Evil Dead, I mean, and we got Evil Dead two and the Army of Darkness after and whatnot. I'm sure we can talk about that too in a second. But should I be embarrassed to say I've never seen this movie? No, no honestly, I haven't seen this movie by design. I saw Evil Dead two, which is basically this movie, except a lot funnier. Yes, Evil Dead one is honestly like a fright fest, Bill. Mm-hmm. But Evil Dead One is just the walls are bleeding, literally walls are bleeding in this movie. It's crazy, um, and it was actually true story. The movie was shot in a real life abandoned cabin in Tennessee. It's been torn down since then, whatever since they filmed it. But uh, it gained a cult following, and again, they it was the way that the Sam Raimi did. He debuted at a bunch of film festivals in the in the early eighties, in the late seventies and the eighties. And it, it got word of mouth picked up, word of mouth picked up, and sure enough, including Dead, Stephen King. Including Stephen King, yep, and it got a theatrical release at one point. So, I just want to show you. Uh, I mean, it's really bloody. Um, I, I don't want to show you too much, but it's like, but, but literally, like, it's about like a guy. He has to like, chainsaw his girlfriend, and it's crazy, man. Like, it's a gore fest of of blood. Nothing but blood everywhere. I hate I, I hate saying that because it's like, but I enjoy it enough because I like the story of it. Um, it's got a little heart here and there, but like it's actually it's funny. This movie was the movie that it's you know because Sam Raimi was the guy who came up with like the the for those of you who understand filmmaking to any extent whatsoever. He's the guy who like said let's put the camera on the bottom of a pole and let's walk with it to make it look like something's following up close to the ground. You know you know what I'm talking like was it a trolley shot, Justin? I forget. Uh, dolly. Dolly, not trolley. Sorry. Dolly affected this movie, yeah. But bottom line, it, I don't want to go too much into it. I really like this movie a lot, but it was a sleeper movie. It didn't really debut at the box office that well. It, it gained like probably a million dollars worldwide on a budget of like three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it began with a cool classic. So there, that checks off two of our bucket lists tonight. How about that? Hmm. So, anyways, I, but you guys have to see Evil Dead. I, I've actually met I've Bruce seen Campbell. Evil Dead Two, Evil Dead One for Halloween twenty twenty four. Okay, guys. I promise. It's really How sedated would I have to be when I watch this movie? How sedated would you have to be? Like, I, you can go into it with an open mind. You're fine. It's really, it's, it's not that many jump scares. It's just like it's bloody. That's all I want to say. It's bloody and intense. It's very intense. Like, there's a scene where, like, spoilers. It's you know, his possessed girlfriend stabs Ash in the leg with a fire poker. And there's like, and then he and she gets he she scratches his leg to the point where it just ble- bleeds like crazy. It's kind of scary. 
That that stuff's freaky, but it's still entertaining either way. Like, see, they're, they're just, see I just... didn't see Evil Dead 1 by design because I watched Evil Dead 2, which I understand to be an, essentially a remake of Evil Dead 1. Correct. Except with more of a budget and more comedy added to it. and Yeah, and then Army of Darkness came out in 193. That was the third film in the series. That's yes. more of a cult, 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 cult classic, too. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, Bill, one day I'm going to show you Evil Dead, and you might not like it, but it's 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 worth watching. Let's put it that way. I'll put so, it nice yeah, and it's certified fresh. It's going to be pretty gory. So it is. It's It's not even rated R. It's rated NC-17. Yeah, it's. It was rated X when it first came out. Like just for the blood. I mean, you can tell it's fake now, but like, still, this is very graphic at the same time. Um, he should probably also know about the tree scene. Oh, that's that's I, I just said it already. The tree, like, oh. what? Can, can I spoil it for a second for you guys? Is that okay? Yeah, you can spoil it. Okay, Bill. So basically, really, really, really quick, really quick backstory. Oh, we gotta go on. We gotta move on in a second. Ash, Ash, uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, his his girlfriend. Ash, Ash's girlfriend goes into the, is, is goes outside for a hot second. She goes into the woods, and the trees rape her. And then they, um, and then like she's, like being like, you know, by the trees, and then she escapes it, runs back in the cabin. She's like, it was the woods themselves. They're alive, Ash. You know, it's one of those things. It's it's disturbing. It's disturbing, but it's it has its moments of like, oh wow, you know, that's frightening. So. Good old Sam Raimi, guys. Nah, Sam Raimi. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm freaking you guys out a little bit. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah that, that's the main reason why I watched Evil Dead 2 and not that one. Uh, Evil Dead 1, though, is great. You have to admit. It's All right. Come soon for Halloween. Coming soon. A Evil Dead movie commentary from the Super Review Show. But anyways, I digress. It's a I'll really good movie. Evil Dead 2. We'll watch Army of Darkness instead. <laughs> Just <six laughs> That movie Wait, turned is Army of Darkness movie. not as Army of Darkness is just a comedy. They they, they took yeah, it from Army a super Darkness horror movie. Is a straight up comedy. They took it from a horror movie to a comedy movie re really fast. Like, even the two is like the cross beater of that. So yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, anyways, Justin, when do you go next? What do you got for your sleeper movie or cult classic? So, um, speaking of horror movies, Halloween. I'm just kidding. No, um, this one is actually a very recent one. Oh. Um, I'm I'm going with Smile. Oh, the movie that scared the crap out of you. Shut up. No, I, just... no, I would have been scared too. Look at that face. Look at that face. I'm getting this is oh oh god. Safe search is off. We gotta keep safe search on. Anyways. So yeah, go on. this movie was originally going to be direct to streaming. This is going to be a straight to Paramount Plus movie. Really? Yes. Surprise, surprise. Um, this movie was actually based on a short film that got popular enough to warrant a, a bigger budget and extended themes and stuff like that and they made this movie and they tested it 
it tested very well. Very well. So they decided last minute, well, let's put it in theaters. And they gave it a small um, advertising budget. And it smashed. It was a smash hit. So it did better in theaters than it was on streaming. So, let me look up the numbers. Why Why can't I spell? I got you. Don't worry. So the budget was how much? The budget was... Okay, so oh wow, oh my god, seventeen million dollar budget, and worldwide it made two hundred seventeen million dollars worldwide. That's a two hundred dollar increase. Yeah, two hundred million dollar increase. So they made money. Yeah, That's good. Premiered at Fantastic Fest, which gave a solid week of positive word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Before the official release in the move in movie theaters, wow, that's crazy. Like, I remember my girlfriend was so hyped for this movie, and I was so dreading this movie because I saw the trailer and it freaked me the f out. And she took me to see this movie, and I was freaked the f out. And that's why I could never do a horror movie in theaters. What? I could never do a horror movie in theaters. I, I literally have to wait till it comes out of streaming. I, I was ducking underneath her the entire time. Like I might have almost accidentally took her head off on multiple occasions. Don't take her head off, Justin. Listen, she took me to the horror movie. This is what she needs to expect. I'm going to wag my finger at you for that one. I'm wagging. Do you see me caring much? Um, no, I don't. Um, so you almost took your girlfriend's head off watching this. Oh, God. Not on purpose. I know, I'm just kidding. Jesus Christ. Not literally. But you put it that way. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Um... No, it looks freaky, though. I will say that. It does look freaky. Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys that, that, just real quick? I walked out of what was it not 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 what was that movie with James McAvoy, and Bruce Willis, Glass. Yeah. What was the other one? No. What was the sequel to it? Like, that um, was the sequel. I think I walked out of that's what out of listen. I don't normally do this because you just reminded me of something by saying like you saw this in theaters. I never, ever, ever do this. 
but it was 2019, and that movie came out like it was Glass, right, with James McAvoy. Yes, that was the first and only time I've ever walked out of a movie. Really, I walked out of it within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yikes! Wow, not not because the movie was bad, but because it was a scary movie, and I just can't like watch. Not scary, but it was PG 13, but still, it's like I cannot. Watch. I I should say I can't sit in a dark room in a movie theater and just watch people, you know, kill each other. <laughs> it's 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 the the, the setting of the, the theater does it. Even though that was the scariest part of the movie. Shut up! I know. Besides the you point, you really though, could stay for five more minutes. I'd be like, oh, I guess this movie is fun. I, oh, I sorry. It's sort of like a subverted superhero movie. I sorry. The, the first tw- like ten minutes, I was like, I, I'm out. Can't do it. <laughs> I told some I told some people that they're like, what? You walked out of split or glass, whatever it was. I'm like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm close split in theaters. Even that was fine for me. I can't do it. Anyways, we're gonna have topic. Anyways, uh, that's your pick though. Smile, right? Yes. Cool. Back over to William Patrick Murphy. Okay. Um, okay. Should I I'm debating. Should I do another sleeper or a cult classic? You pick. Heads or tails? Okay. I, I'm going to do a cult classic, if that's okay, with the good folks here. Go ahead. Justin, you're part of the good folks. Is that all right? Okay. And since we just saw Wonka, I think this would be appropriate. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Do tell us more, Bill. Okay. The original one, too. He's not talking about Johnny Depp. Okay, hi everyone. I'm Dr. Bill Murphy. Okay, no, I'm not a doctor. I'm just Bill. But we know who. But you know who likes this movie? Who, doctor. Bill? Matt Hemsley. Hey, Dr. Hemsley, you better be watching. Or else yes, I'm going to wag. He's a good friend of ours. He's a good friend of ours. Come on, doctor. But anyway, Dr. Hemsley. When this movie came out, we all know what the. Um, we all know what the response from Roald Dahl was. Yeah. And what was the response from Roald Dahl? He hated it. It was horrifying. But the movie itself, the movie itself was released on June 30th, 1971. It earned $4 million on a $3 million budget. Worldwide or no? That's not good. Yikes. Um, That's not even taking into account um, advertising. Oh, my God. Okay, so, Justin, I I need a film marketing thing here. Um. Oh wait, hold on. How much does a movie need to make back to be considered a financial success? Twice as much as his budget. So this movie would have had to make six million dollars. Yes. At least. Correct. So this movie only made four million dollars. And and it didn't the film itself, it 
before it was released, it advanced publicity through TV commercials, offered a Willy Wonka candy factory kick, kit for sending $1 for two seals and a box of Quaker cereals. Yeah, Quaker Oaks was actually in the movie business at this time. Yeah, I Quaker saw there were one of the production companies. And so what happened? Well, the film made it in 1977. The film actually lost its um, the film actually went into obscurity for many years. Oh, wow. Because in 1977, Paramount declined to renew the film rights. Mm. And the rights defaulted back to the Quaker Oats Company. And they got out of the movie business by point. And therefore, they, it was sold Warner to, Brother. to Warner Brothers. And then in the 1980s, the film experienced popularity increase due to repeated television broadcast. Same thing happened with the ones. It's a Wonderful Life, too, by the way. But go on. Maybe we'll talk about that. Who knows? Um, see what kind of movie Maybe. we're in. Um, uh, the Christmas story effect. Yep, exactly. And what happened? And because of that. A new audience and because of home video stuff. But you know what? This is like with a lot of these movies. Television broadcast. And whatchamacallit. Home, home video. video. That's yeah, what VHS. Exactly. That's what makes these video these movies. That's what makes these movies popular. Wow. And yeah, but they sold the film rights to Warner Brothers for five hundred thousand dollars. And in nineteen ninety six, the film was actually re released, and it grossed a further twenty one million dollars. Hmm. So you think it finally made back its budget, Justin? Yeah, I would say so. And here's an interesting fact when I talk about television, when I talk about television errands of this movie, this was actually very, this was actually very important to how they would air this following sporting events, how they would air certain programs after sporting events. I'm going to have to give you some historical context. Ooh. But anyway, there was, okay. They aired this in 1974, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And NBC wanted this to become a holiday tradition. So in 1975, they decided to air this the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And, but there was a slight issue. The slight issue was that there was a football game going on between the Oakland Raiders and the 
at the time, Washington Redskins. That was their name at the time. I am speaking in historical context. But what happened was the game went into overtime. The game went into overtime. And and they, and the movie was supposed to air at 7 o'clock. And the NBC executives did, didn't know what to do because this is where the historical context comes in. Seven years prior, there was a football game between the New York Jets and the Oakland Raiders. And in the last two minutes of the game, the Jets were leading. And the and the and NBC cut the rest of the game, and so they could show the family movie Heidi. That game is famously known as the Heidi game, and only certain people saw the end, and the Raiders ended up coming back and winning. So seven years later, game goes into overtime. And they're debating whether they should whether they should just cut the game because the game went into overtime, whether they should just cut the game and go straight to the movie or start the movie late. And they did the possible worst option. What was that, Bill? Justin, you want to guess what they did? They cut the game short. No, they showed the rest of the game, and then they went into the movie 40 minutes in. Yikes. Yeah, a lot of kids and families were not happy about that. What's the shock look for, Justin? He missed all the build-up. All the kids getting the golden tickets. Now, what would have you done as NBC executive, Justin? Um, I probably would have cut the game short. Sorry. Okay, you know what I would have done? I would have just started the movie late. That's what they do now, right? Yeah, and that actually is revolutionary in that regard because now when this program's on after the NFL games, if the games go longer, they just say, okay, well, like, you know, like, for instance, CBS, usually after NFL games, they have 60 Minutes. Fox has their animation dom domination with yeah. Simpsons and Family Guy and all that. But if the games go longer than expected, if the games go longer than expected, they just start the programs right after the game so they can be shown in, in their entirety. That's good to know. So, yeah. So... This movie, the beloved classic we know today, it basically made no money, but then it gained, like like I said, of all these movies, 
because of its re-errands, because of its because of its re-errands, because of its release on VHS and home videos, that's what made this movie popular now. I never knew that. And after many years, it finally made back its budget. Wow. That's crazy. This has been a long, long-winded rendition of Random Facts with Bill, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Justin is uh, doing something right now, so J-Man! Justin took a quick dip, and um, I want to just, for those of you who don't know, who listen to us all the time on Spotify podcasts and whatnot, thank you to all of you who listen to us, but if you tune in every Wednesday night in the evening, EST, You'll be able to watch us live. And one of our live viewers just brought up a couple things to me directly. I want to thank our dear co-host, Ali, for watching us and tuning in, as always, to support us tonight as well. Uh, she brought up a couple of 80s movies that have actually uh, had a similar situation where they had extremely extremely low budgets and they made a lot of money. They weren't as, and so they could be somewhat considered cult classics, too, to an extent. So we're going gonna, gonna, to gonna kill some two birds with one stone again. Ready, Bill? Ready. And we talked about this movie at one point, The Breakfast Club. Hmm. I don't, did you know that the box office? Box office, oh, box office ready. Uh, the box office for The Breakfast Club. Uh, let me just see. So, the, the for those of you who know, The Breakfast Club is a movie that takes place over the course of one day. Uh, and these kids are all in detention and they all kind of just join together and become really good friends together. It's one of those, it's one of those classic 80s movies that had, um, you know, some of the biggest names in Hollywood at the time in one movie. Judd Nelson, uh, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Molly Ringwald, and I'm forgetting Ali Sheedy's the last one there. Uh, so the box office, it's funny, actually. So opening weekend, but we have it pulled up right here for those of you who are watching us live. Um, opening weekend was $5 million for The Breakfast Club. Right. And the on a budget of hold on. The budget was one million dollars. The budget was one million dollars for the Breakfast Club. If you have a million dollars, you could have made the Breakfast Club, put it that way, back in the day. Um, but given that the Breakfast Club came out and it grossed a total world a worldwide total, ladies and gentlemen, of forty-five million dollars. In the grand scheme of things, that made money, but it's not as big as a return as they thought it might. Uh, the universe would probably thought. Um, we we talked about this movie at one point, but do you remember when we talked about this? We talked, was it Mental Health Awareness Month in 2021? Yeah, that? it was Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, a we talked about this that should be remade. Yes, that's right. We, we talked about this movie, um, The Breakfast Club, because we, we uh, I brought up this movie because I believe it should be remade in today's context. I mean, look, no film is untouchable. We've talked about that before, but I will say that The Breakfast Club is a movie that I feel like everyone has seen that at some point in their life, just because it's so of its iconicness. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because of think, "Don't You Forget About Me." And by the way, that song is Simple Minds' only number one hit in the U.S. And most people are well, just side note: Simple Minds is a great band. Everyone, get into them. They're great. They have a lot of really other great albums too. Just want to put that out there. We have other great songs in the 80s as well, too. Anyways, 
um, alive and kicking, all the things she said to sang. Um, but The Breakfast Club is one of those movies that it, it, be, it gained a cult following in the years afterwards because it only made like 50, 45 to $50 million worldwide on a budget of $1 million. So that's profit, but not numbers that I don't think Universal wanted to see, in my opinion, of course. Um, I believe, that, and just to understand, we did talk about this movie at one point, that it deserves a remake. Bill and I had this discussion, I think, was it three years ago now? I don't even know. Crap, it's three years ago now. We've been doing this show for almost four years. Since 2020, we've done this podcast. And he still puts up with me. I don't know how I do it. I'm just I don't know how I put up with him. <laughs> <laughs> we, no, we, we have a good repertoire, don't worry. And Justin and Allie joined on later. It's all great. Uh, but, but the and we haven't program. killed each other. That's wonderful. No, we have not. Uh, but Bill and Justin and Allie, they, they all do a fantastic job. Even we had Reg on. We've had other guests on, too. It's been a great run so far. Besides the point, though, Breakfast Club, it's a really great movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it still. It holds up to this day perfectly, in my opinion. Um, but it only made $50 million at the box office, and it gained a cult following. And most people have heard of it because of the, re- the, the reruns on TV of it, the um, – Probably because of VHS tapes as well back in the day. Oh, let's let's rent VHS. Let's pay that ten dollars or twenty dollars to rent that Breakfast Club on VHS tape, and then we'll watch it there. So word of mouth got around about it after it got released in theaters. I would love to see this movie in theaters if they ever released it. If they ever re-released it, I would go see it because um, it's that you know iconic. If you, it's only like an hour and a half long too. Um. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. Breakfast so Club. How was it, it a sleeper hit or a cult classic? It's it's more of a it's it's kind of both in a sense because sleeper because it was a budget of one million dollars, and they made fifty million in the box office. But to my knowledge, Universal wanted it to be a bigger hit, and so and, and as far as it being a sleeper goes, it kind of caught on later on after the fact after it got released. You know what I mean? Like after the movie came out, like it made fifty million dollars, great, but it it would later it was that's that's not really that's not a lot of money. I mean, compared to like something like a Star Wars, like Return of the Jedi numbers, it was only a couple years prior, or even something like a uh, a big, like a like a uh, like Platoon, or like Full Metal Jacket, like other eighties and movies in the eighties where they made a lot of money, but they, or Ghostbusters made like three hundred million dollars worldwide when it first came out. So I don't know, that's just me. Um, but the Breakfast Club. You know, to, you know, some some people are saying in the chat board like, "Oh, Breakfast Club didn't age well." You're entitled to your opinion, and that's perfectly that's fine. That's a topic for another mixed bag. Yeah, <laughs> movies that didn't hold up well. That's gonna be one. Yeah, of we'll do that in the somewhat near future. Yeah, exactly. We'll do that maybe one. next it's, week. Who knows? We'll see what kind of mood we're in. Yeah, but to answer your question, it's kind of like um, I would say it's a movie that it's a sleeper movie because like in extent, a certain extent, it, it really like it picked up. I mean, people know about it today, yes, but it, when it first came out, it took a long time to get to that status, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. Plus, what's funny is that the actors are some of the biggest names in Hollywood at the time. Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald. These are Anthony Michael Hall was in 16 Candles, which is another, another movie we can talk about too. But um, I don't know, just something that I, a movie that really is a product of its time, but still holds up well, in my opinion, of course. That's just me, though. Bill, you got anything else to say about Breakfast Club at all? No, I think we're good. Cool. Uh, so since Justin's taking a quick hot minute break for a second, we're easy to join us back in a second. Uh, but Bill, do you have any other 
Yes, and you know what? This was another one that Miss Sally actually brought up. Oh, uh, what do you got? The Wizard of Oz. The apparently my friend Jess was watching The Wizard of Oz. Is Jess, she gonna hit us with something? What's um, that? Is she gonna hit us with something? No, this is her favorite movie of all time. But anyway, yeah, when the um film app, yeah, The Wizard of Oz. What we talk about with. Okay, which is considered one of the best movies of all time. Widely regarded. It is widely regarded. Hold on, let me pull it up here. Weren't they talking about remaking it, too? Oh, God, that would be a crime. It's like remaking... Um... Okay, when, when some people talk about, you know, The Wizard of Oz as being the... um. One of the greatest films ever made. When it first opened in 1939, it only made $1.1 million on a $3 million budget. It made how much? Say it again. $1.1 million on a $3 million budget. And you got to remember, too, this was about 1939. Yep. The Great Depression was in uh, the country was in the slumps, you know, all this other stuff too. A lot of that was a dark time in American history too. And you know, you know, yeah, this was nineteen thirty nine. You know, late thirties, early forties, we were just starting to get out of the depression, but we were also getting into World War Two. Wasn't also the first color film ever made? Am I, am I thinking the wrong thing right now? I think so. Yeah. I want to say so, yeah. And, and you know what? It's so and how we just talked about Willy Wonka too. It's so weird that these movies that we consider classics when they first came out, they bombed. And yeah, you know it's funny too. I just want to really quick side note for Wizard of Oz for a second, bud. Go ahead. It's funny. Back in the '30s, if you could have like if you found on the street like a t twenty cents or thirty cents, you can you go to go. the movies. You can go to the movies, and there would be movies playing. Stagecoach, uh, Grapes of Wrath, Wizard of Oz, films like those. Go on, sorry about that. And we didn't mean to cut you off there. No, that's okay. But yeah, when the movies start, when the um, but yeah, it only made one point one million dollars on its budget. But then you know what started happening. Just like all these other films in the 40s and the 50s, in the 40s, they, in 1949, the movie was, the movie was reissued. It was re-released? It was re-released in 1949 for the film's 10th anniversary. And then it was reissued in 1955. Hmm. Like there were reissues, and then in nineteen eighty nine, it was released on VHS to celebrate its fiftieth anniversary. Wow! And and also, what happened was that in starting the forties and fifties. It started being shown on television. 
Yeah. It showed in night it for the first telecast of it was in 1956. And then and then the and then it wasn't rebroadcast in 57 or 58, but then up until 1998. The film from 1959 to 1998, the film was always showed on on television. It still is to this day now. Yes, and some it is. And AMC or TBS sometimes, yeah. Yeah, the film is just... And... And now, if it is aired, it's usually aired on, like, TBS or TNT. On cable, yeah. So, yeah, it's just so... Isn't it, like, so fascinating, though, JT? That yeah. these movies that we highly regard as, like, classics, they started off as failures. Yeah, no, you're right. I couldn't agree more with that statement. Because a lot of people nowadays would think, wait, The Wizard of Oz, like, if you go on AFI's top 10 movie list, yeah, it's going to be on that list. Oh, absolutely. And it's one of the only movies from, like, the 30s that is widely released in, like, 4K or, um, like, digital releases. Or it's probably one of the most streamed movies on Max by now, right? It's on Max? Because it's a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, because you know what? When you see that, because nowadays, when you see that scene when Dorothy lands in the Munchkin land, I gotta admit, I think that's my favorite part of the movie, because you see the, you see, you go from the black and white to the color, yeah, to the color, and it's like, and you hear Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. And then you hear the instrumental of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it's just, yeah. Welcome back, Justin. We'll talk about The Wizard of Oz. That, that just, uh, did you know it? Uh, it was actually a financial bomb when it first came out? I did hear about that. And it's weird to call this a cult classic because of that. It's like the loosest definition of a cult classic because it just be went to become a beloved just classic. Yeah. It does have a cult following though, don't get me wrong. But no, but Justin, you have to admit though, it did start off as a bomb and then eventually look it at it did. today. It definitely did. Look at it today. So yeah, The Wizard of Oz. And Justin, because JT and I were talking about this, do you think it's so interesting, like when we talk about Willy Wonka, that these movies that we consider classics were once bombs? It is an interesting thought. But with Wizard of Oz, I think it's just part of that conversation really is the innovation of 
black and white to Technicolor. That first transition to Technicolor, which at the time was unheard of. Um, A color movie? What's going on? That alone is historical all of uh, all on its own, you know. Yeah. The film just they just got used to the talkies. The 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 voices, yeah. I mean the twenties movies were like not even sound. They were just orchestrated, right? There was no dialogue, right? Yeah. The like, first the first first movies just a guy pointing a camera at the subject and pushing a button. And now they're so some things we take for granted, but yeah, so yeah, but you know what I think it is, and I've been saying this: home releases, home releases, yeah, TV errands, yeah, yeah, and and you know what? Because I think it's like with technology nowadays. I think that's what made these movies that were once failures now big hits because now when you have them on TV and have like home media, they're more accessible. Right. And it's going to be a cold day in hell that Turner Classic Movies lets you forget The Wizard of Oz. They're probably like, wait, someone forgot it exists. We need to re-air it for 24 hours so people can remember it exists. <laughs> Literally. But um yeah. All right, Justin, you got anything? Um for Wizard of Oz or uh No, the next one. Okay, so Cult Classics. Let's talk about the ultimate cult classic. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Ooh, yes. Let's do the time warp again, people. So all you, buddy. Give me one second while I prepare. We'll give I you make two. you shiver and anticipate. Can I just say something really quick? Go. Is it just me or does Susan Sarandon just pick movie pick pick roles for herself that she can just get naked? Well, that happened after this movie. When she first took the movie, she was kind of horrified at the thought of being naked. Oh, okay. No, I was because I feel like she did like um, what's the baseball one she did? Um, Bull Durham, and like that she plays like a really like you know seductive person in that movie. She was in this one. I don't know. I just I don't know something about that. So well, she definitely didn't pick Blue Beetle to be naked. <laughs> That's true. Actually, yeah, you're good point. Good point. <laughs> Go on, Justin. I'm just looking up that little bit of trivia that I wanted to mention on this one. Um, this is a hard art. Okay. So, film's budget one point two million. Okay. During its original theatrical run, didn't even make half of that. 
So it didn't even make $500,000. No. But because of the constant late night screen screenings, guess how much money the movie has accrued now? How much? One hundred and forty million dollars. So this didn't even make its budget back. What was the budget again? I'm sorry. One point two million dollars. Okay, and it grows. And how much does it make? Has it made over time? A hundred forty million. No Granted, way. I have no idea how long ago this was written, so it could be more than that by now. Okay, hold on a second. We're looking this up right now. Released it September 26, 1975 in the United States. Opening weekend. And its budget was how much was it? A million dollars, you said? 1.2 million. That's really cheap. That's really cheap. Keep in mind, Willy Wonka was $3 million. Well, Yeah, that's true. Um, but this one, it says... Huh. It says worldwide, it made $115 million worldwide on a budget of one. That's a huge profit now. Oh, that is. Am I wrong for thinking that? Oh, my phone's almost dead. Take your time. Um, I was just wondering because I mean the the on a budget of one million dollars, if you make because so you're telling me because of the reruns on TV and the reruns of everything about this movie, the re whatever rewatching re, re revisiting of it, makes you grow so much. Was it? Yes. Okay. That is why. Okay. All right. So the power of the rowdy screening, the making fun of being part of the joke. That's what led to this being such a cult phenomenon. Because that's what this is. Like this. This isn't saying that the general audience knows and has watched Rocky Horror. We're saying that there is a small but lovable group of people who gather around every year or whenever they want and go see Rocky Horror. And have a good time with her friends. You know who you are out there. You know exactly who you are, you sluts. And assholes. By the way, that's just part of the joke. We're not actually calling anybody sluts. Brad Majors? Asshole. Janet Weiss? What? Dr. Scott? Great, Scott! 
Good God. That's all I have to say. But no, because he's right. Because of the late night showings, this film became a monster hit. Yep. <laughs> monster. Sorry, I had to. Everybody know it because of that. And now and you know what? I think what the message of these films is if you don't succeed at first, try again. Yeah, you you might have more success. And if that doesn't realistic. work. Try real estate. No real estate. No have any real estate agents who watch our show. This movie's almost fifty, guys. I know. Can you believe it? Can you freaking believe it? I mean, the, in next year, this movie turns fifty. Yikes! They should re-release it then. And it's probably going to be at midnight. We might have to go to that. I think we do. If they decide to do it, if the studio, who has the rights to this again? Do we know? Um, I believe this was 20th Century Fox. Yeah, that sounds right. Let me just check the poster again. Which yeah, it's Fox. Disney has the rights to this. That's great. <laughs> Disney's never going to re-release it. Does that mean that Frankenfurter is a Disney princess? Don't go there. <laughs> That's a good question. Justin, there's there's very few times when I say this, but don't go there. <laughs> I very politely ask you, don't make a Disney princess from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> That's like saying Agent Scully, <laughs> the X-Files, is now a Disney princess, too. That's like saying the alien queen from Aliens isn't a Disney princess. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good point. Or like, the, or like the the Native American from Prey. You know, is she a Disney princess too? Killing the predator? Come on, guys. No. If Pocahontas is. All right, we've, we've had our fun tonight. That's all I have to say. We always have our fun here. <laughs> we do. Welcome to Mixed Bag, where we have a ton of fun. And controversy. Yes. And and did, is 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 <laughs> Disney actually a real company? What? Was it all an illusion? Who knows? No, I'm just kidding. Who knows? And that's for Rocky Horror Picture Show, guys. No, I think I've said my piece. Justin, yeah, that's it? all I really need to say about it. Yeah. The one point than... two million dollar movie that became the hundred forty million dollar movie. Yeah. Who's is it? My turn or is it Bill's turn? Yes, it's your my turn. turn. All right, cool. Well, there I was minding my own business in yeah. high school. Of all the times to study film, guys, it was high school. Especially in BOCES. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's when other high schools send their, their quote-unquote best students to a um, to a trade school, in a sense, to learn how to a trade that can help you out down the line. I went to BOCES, and I met some of the closest friends I have to this day. Uh, and they, they live in our area where we are. And I'm not telling you where we are, but they live in our area. And I love them all equally, incredibly. But there was one movie we watched in Bosey's class that I don't think was very appropriate for Bosey's film class. I wonder if, and we talked about this briefly before we started, but it's rated R. It came out recently in the past like 10 years or so, but Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. 
This movie tanked. This movie tanked at the box office. For those of you who don't know, this is a movie about the Boy Scouts of America. Uh, these three, I think, is that correct? Me wrong, is that the, the lead guy also? From, no, 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 no. Um, no way. I'm thinking of a different movie. My is bad. he Cyclops from the X Men films? Am I thinking the right guy? Oh my god, Ty Sheridan. Is it Ty Sheridan? Oh my god, it's Ty Sheridan. He was in. He was the lead in Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse before he got his break with the X Men films. <laughs> it's hysterical. I'm sorry. Wow, he was in X Men Apocalypse like a year later too. With another apocalypse. This movie, I just want to look up the box office numbers for a second because this, it tanked. As far as I know, um, it was a really dumb movie. For those you don't know, it's about it's about the Boy Scouts of America, uh, which I was a part of. I'm not gonna lie. I was a part of it. I made it to the very top of Eagle. And I, I, I had a very good time with it. It was a part of my life. Um, yes, true story. But this movie kind of like made the Boy Scouts look like a bunch of wimps. And in reality, we do they do do a lot of good stuff for America. I'm not going to lie. Aside from their horrendous organizational heads that did some terrible things and they went to bankrupt. That's besides the point, though. Uh, this movie was pretty damn funny. So let me just look at the box office for a sec, right? The box office for this movie... Uh, it was it boxofficemojo.com on a budget of $15 million, guys. 15, uh, you think, all right, $15 million. This should Opens up Halloween weekend, 2015. Action horror comedy film. $16 million worldwide. On a $15 million budget. It made $1 million. That's not including the marketing costs. That's not including the trailers. It made a million dollars at the box office. Or Scout's Guide to the X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. <laughs> Good God. It made no money. No money whatsoever. Um, but it, The gore was pretty good in it, not going to lie. But long story short, though, this movie was really bad as well. It was not a great movie. I would make the argument it has it it, it was not a success, financial success whatsoever. But I will say I think that the uh, I think that the, the the um I think the movie itself has a small cult following. I would not say it's a big cult following. I'd say it's a small cult following uh, because it was. If you watch this movie, it was actually really funny, uh, despite you know going through the uh, the BSA and understanding the logic and stuff behind it, it really made things pretty bad. But I will say this though, it really like it's a bad it's a bad movie. I I almost dare my two co-hosts to watch this movie and have a hard time not laughing how bad it is. Um, it's bad. Let me just see this for a second. I want to see the Rotten Tomatoes score. It actually has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 44 on, on, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato score, and has an audience rating of 50%. Ouch. It's rough. It's one of the most disappointments that I've seen in a long time. Um, But yeah, no, it's... I don't know why we watched this at one point, but I was, I was kind of like torn, torn to even talk about this, truthfully. 
but it's it's all right, I guess. It, it, it's very bad. It's very cheesy. But what I will say though about this movie is that I would argument that it had, that I would make the argument it had does have a cult following at this point because the movie was like it 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 was a box office bomb. Don't get me wrong, and no one went to go see it, but it was pretty like it it, it was. So bad it's good, eh, to an extent, mm. I guess you could say. Mm. I, 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 Justin, have you seen this movie? I know Bill hasn't, but Justin, have you seen I this have movie? not. Okay, this movie was pretty bad. I'm going to be honest with you guys. There's a scene in the, even in the middle of like the zombies, like the te- the zombies, like in the town that they live in. By the way, there's just one of the guys, there's the zombies never leave the town and they all just infect the whole town. That's it. Mm. And there's a this is scene right here, where the girl the girl in the movie like the 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 love interest in the movie for the the guy the the, the boy the, the Tai Shi uh, the Tai Shi character whatever his name is, he like she tries hitting on him so much and she's like she she's so close to like you know they're they're so close to, like making it together, and that she's like the kind of like the love interest in the movie, and in the middle of them about to be like eaten or die or be like shot at or dead like you know killed from being from the zombies. She's trying to hit on it. I'm like, guys, this is terrible. Anyways, regardless, it was a really bad movie. That's all I'm saying. So it was pretty bad. I mean, I always want you guys to see this just to, like see what it's like, but it was pretty bad. We'll put it on the list, right, Justin? Yeah, the list. It was just not like I'm having weird flashbacks to my uh to my um Weird flashbacks to my high school life right now. That's all I'm saying. So it was pretty bad. You have more to say, or are we ready to go on? No, nah, we can go on. This is just a terrible movie overall. Okay, it's on. my turn. You know what Talk it's time me. for? Without well, I... oh, hi, JT. God damn you. It is I, Tommy We Saw. And this is my Tommy We Saw. Ah, I'm so funny. Hooray! JD, why don't you like my movie? Movie good. Justin, wouldn't you say my movie good? I did not hit her. I did not hit her. It's not true. It is bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Okay, do, do we really have to say anything about this? Like, Just this kidding. movie, it didn't ahead, even Bill. make back its budget. Did it even make any money? Okay, the film's budget was $6 million. It made $4.9 million. Yeah, but yet it became a cult classic. Yeah, and because when the film in its opening weekend, you know how much it made? How much? I'll tell you in a second. 140 bucks. It made that much. How much really? did you say? So I made like a thousand dollars, little over a thousand dollars. Oh God! It made like a little over a thousand dollars. That's yeah. That's a disaster. That's just a legendary disaster. But this also has gained the following through late night screenings as well. It has. What's ironic? Yeah, go ahead. 
Because Justin, you went to a screening of it. I did. They ordered pizza. It was not good. You know what we should do? No. Let's get either Tommy Wiseau no. or Greg Sestero on this podcast. Tommy Wiseau wouldn't even would never do anything with us. Exactly. I, I hate to be that guy, but. Yeah, and plus, like, didn't he have some weird thing when he went on, like, one of Doug, Doug Walker's show on Channel yeah. Austin and then yeah. was so, yeah. like, yeah. demanded him to take it down? Yeah. Isn't Tommy was so dead? No. Oh, okay. Actually, nobody knows. No one knows. Because remember, there's things they don't know about him. They don't know where he's from. But, but, but they did have to reveal where he was from in a court filing recently. Really? Where is he from? Yeah. Let's hear it. He's Polish. Well, that makes really? sense. Yep. Next question. Oh. Do we know how old he is? All right, let me see here. Do we know how old Tommy was so in? Tommy. Justin's Googling it. I am Googling this. I will say that, you know, you, you know what my first exposure to this movie was? What was it? The Disaster Artist, the movie about making the room. About Tommy Wiseau's life. James Franco directed it. I thought that was great. Well, actually, that was more from Greg Sestero, the guy who played Mark. Oh. That was more from his perspective than... Well, James Franco killed it, though. I have to admit that. I mean, last year the movie turned like 20. 20. So oh, we forgot our commentary. Okay, so nothing about his age, but his birth name was Tomas Wixork Stixwitz. I'll repeat that again. Tomas Wigzork Higwicks. But because of but because of the late night showings, and I think recently over the past couple of years with the disaster artists, it's become a cult classic. Absolutely, yes. that's Hey, Justin, I know you said no to Tommy Wiseau. What would you say about maybe Greg Sestero coming on? He, I wouldn't mind. If we had any of them on, I'd flip out. But, because I think Doug Walker described that as the disaster artist. The room is Tommy Wiseau's story. The disaster artist is more Greg Sestero's story. And plus, Greg Sestero, when... Tommy was so was like demanding to take Doug Walker's stuff down. Greg Sestero had to be the one to talk him down. Had to be the one to talk him down. So, yeah. But oh lord, what? Wazo has a a new movie. No, no. It's called. <laughs> <laughs> 
big shark. We should have kept him in that box. I, You're joking, right? It's an inside joke. I, 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 I'm not joking about the movie, though. Aren't what they remaking this, too? It's about three firefighters who must save New Orleans from a killer shark. That sounds terrible. I'm sorry. When's it come out, Directed. Justin? Directed by Tommy Wiseau. Written by Tommy Wiseau. Produced by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> sorry, Tommy Wiseau. Isaiah LaFord and Mark Valen Valerino. The last time that happened. Gee, I don't know. Justin, you going to see my new movie? It's good. I'm genuinely scared for the world right now. When does it come out, Justin? Um, it came out last year. But it's a very only, apparently only in Oregon. Well, I wonder only in Oregon. Oregon? Yeah. I wonder why Oregon. That's so weird. Give me a second. That's so strange. Weird. Does he live there? He might. He might live there. I don't know. This is getting ridiculous. Okay, so should we move on from our good friend Wasso? Oh hi, Bill. Should we move on from our good friend Tommy Wiseau? Yes. Yeah. But Justin, what do you got? Okay. Um, I'm moving back over to Sleeper Hits. Okay. And, well, let's talk about one of the ultimate Sleeper Hits. You know, it's a little movie back in the 70s. You might have heard of it. It's called uh, Star Wars. Hmm. Not called the New Hope. It's called Star Wars. Fun fact: Did you know that? No, I we didn't know that. Wait, well, who who knew that and who didn't? Sorry, I did. Yes, like when the when the film first came out, it was just called Star Wars. It was. It's, if you really think about it, it's a standalone movie. Yeah, and you know what? It works as a standalone movie. Yeah, unlike the Empire Strikes. I'm just kidding. We love Empire and we love Return of the Jedi, but let's be real. It's a standalone movie. Um, And I'll say this. That the uh, court, the throne room scene that goes into the uh, ending credits, that's my favorite version of the ending credits uh, theme. Really? Uh, what with with Chewbacca getting his medal and Han and getting the, well, sorry, Han and Luke getting their medals, right? Yeah, with them getting the medals and you know something about it sort of reminds me almost like a stage play, and it almost feels like I'm almost expecting them to take a bow for the movie. Anyway, yeah. talk to us. I'll, I'll chime in in a second. You go first. Star Wars. 
if you were to hear that the director of American Graffiti was going to do a space opera based on the likes of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. Would that really interest you? No. Not really. But when that first trailer hit, though. Um, yeah, it didn't really uh, interest the 20th Century Fox either. They expected the movie to tank. Mm-hmm. Um, they famously gave George Lucas the merchandising rights um, because the production, because 20th Century Fox thought they were worthless. And you know what? It wasn't because, it wasn't even because George Lucas thought he, it, the movie was going to be successful. He just wanted to be able to market the movie as himself if, just in case, uh, Fox didn't give him a budget to advertise it. The movie opened. In 37 theaters. Wow. That's it? Word of mouth. Convinced Fox. To widen the release. And it became. A box office. Smash. And the cultural phenomenon. That it is trying to be today. Trying to be. <laughs> oh, it is a cultural phenomenon. Still is to this day. I mean, just whatever need, you think. Yeah, go ahead. This needs a, a good polish. Yeah, we need a. And I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy's listening to us at all, which I hope she is, or John Favreau, whoever's going to listen to us. Um, Let's put out 10, 11, and 12. Just kidding. Or we could just put out individual standalone movies. Or let's do The Old Republic. I don't know. Something else in Star Wars that movies that we could just see another movie going and going and going. Okay. But it all started in 1977. And John Williams' score is awesome. I I would argue it's probably one of the most one of the most identifiable film scores you could ever think of. You just hear it in your head. Whether you love it or hate Star Wars, you still hear that score. I agree. 37 theaters? Yep. And look what it's become now. It's become a global smash phenomenon. Did you know, Justin? First off, you ever heard of the book? You ever heard the book called uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe? Uh, no, but go on. It's it's a book. I read, I, I have not read it, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. You would get a kick out of it. Um, it, one of the one of the things about in this book that about how the movie Star Wars came out and whatnot, in the process of it or whatnot, it goes into all the stuff like all the behind the scenes stuff, like some rumors. It like, dives into rumors. It's a really good book, apparently. One of the things they say was that in the very early drafts of George Lucas's script, it was not a galaxy far, far away. It was actually Earth, but not several hundred years in the future like Star Trek. 
like you know back then the the closest thing you compared to a Star Trek right. was, but several thousand years in the future from Star Trek. It was like he had it take place on Earth thousands of years in the future. Interesting. Um, where like the, you know, several like on Earth, but thousands and thousands of years where Earth has discovered other galaxies and stuff like that, and you know, uh, and actually it's funny. I was reading up. I don't normally do this, but I said, "What the hell? Why not?" I read through the Wikipedia, uh, the uh, Wikipedia page, not the Wikipedia. Sorry. The uh the Star Wars uh IMDB page for the trivia. Like if you just stop and read like some of the behind the scenes stuff, like how like the movie how movies was made or whatever, like something about the actors, whatever, like about the movies. Yeah. I do not want to make this a conversation about Star Wars versus Star Trek at all. But what I want to say though is that George Lucas was heavily influenced by the Star Trek the original series before Star Wars came out. Okay. Not like that's why that's why to my knowledge, the first earliest drafts of Star Wars were actually about uh, Earth first. And then he said, now nah, let's scrap Earth. Let's make it in the galaxy far, far away. That sounds more fantasy and more sci-fi and more, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. With the, the spaceship stuff and the Death Star. Like, it's amazing. Like, if you really, if you guys really break it down for a second, George Lucas, and I know we're talking about Star Wars for a second there. George Lucas took a lot of elements about, like, Previous stuff on Earth and put it into a sci-fi spectacle epic. Like I mean, anyway, like, like, the thing I'm thinking about, like if you put this in context for a second, Luke Skywalker is on a Luke Skywalker being could be a knight in shining armor from the medieval times on a horse, and he's going to attack the castle, which is just him in an X-wing attacking the Death Star. See what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Like that's we're not going to get too into it, but that's if you think about Star Wars like that, there you go. So. Um, I'm a fan of like stuff like that. That's cool, but uh, but yeah, he said uh, said that George Lucas was heavily heavily influenced by Star Trek: The Original Series, the Gene Roddenberry created. So very interesting stuff, by the way. Um, uh, by the way, I just want to like, tell both of you this: one day, one day, you and I are going to do this, the three of us. I have, and I'm saying this on air. I don't give a crap if I say this on air. I have the, the theatrical cuts of Star Wars, the original theatrical cuts of Star Wars, on VHS tape. So it even has the pitiful um, uh, Han shoots first uh, logo. It had I. I Bill, you, you, you know what the Lucasfilm logo looks like, right? Yes, now I do. Yes. Yeah, good. It is pitiful what it, it looked pitiful. like in 77. It looked like this. Yep. Oh, it just looks like words it's on just, a as regular exactly. text. Do they float so, through space? Nope. Nope. But yeah, like, anyways, you know the reference. You know the reference. <laughs> You're funny. Um, but anyways, we're gonna. But uh, mark my words, Justin and Bill. One day, you and I, the three of us, are gonna have a sit down and watch all. And we're I'm telling and we're saying this one day. For those of you who watch us on our YouTube channel, we're gonna do original theatrical cuts of Star Wars movie commentaries one day of all three of them. On, I have them on tape, unfortunately. They, hashtag Honshot first. Hashtag Honshot first, bitches. Um, anyways, but yeah, legitimately I do have the original theatrical cuts on tape. 
So we have to get a VHS player first and then press play and then do our movie commentaries for all three. And then why would I have Justin here for that too? Is because Justin can pinpoint the, the, the details and I can pinpoint the details and do the comparisons and stuff like that too. So yeah. But anyways, Star Wars, it was going to be a box office flop. It was supposed to tank. And it became one of the most, if not the most successful franchise of all time. And Disney bought it for $4.2 billion and they have not done anything with it since 2019. And the Mandalorian. Okay. Look at my screen. I'm looking at it. So for those of you listening to this, you can't see this, but what is that again? I can't see it fully. It's I'm sorry, but it's blurry. You're gonna have to cut it's a VHS player. Oh, sweet. Let's do it. They Ah. still exist. Yes, so th- th- there's our answer. So wh- listen, for those who are listening to us, go to our YouTube channel at some point, and some point in, in this year of 2024, we will have, um, we will have the the original theatrical cuts of Star Wars movie commentaries on our YouTube channel. So we'll be the first people on the internet to do it. Feeling good yet? I think so. All right, Star Wars. We've said enough about that. Anything else? Any other sleeper hits or cult classics, guys? Okay, you know. Bill, talk to me. I've been wondering this one. Justin, I know you're going to hate me for bringing this up. But I actually genuinely want to know because I'm curious. Because when this movie came out, some say it was a cult classic or a sleeper hit. And I've been, and I actually been reading some stuff. And Justin, since you helped me tonight a lot with determining the difference between cult classic, sleeper hit, and all that, I could really use your help. And I know you've never seen this movie. Just please help me. Nightmare Before Christmas. Because here's the thing when this movie first came out, this film was. Let me just pull it up. Okay. This movie had a $24 million budget. And when it first came out, it made $50 million in its initial run. It made $50 million in its initial run. Not much. I guess with what budget? $24 million. $24 million, bud. It's a modest hit. The- yes, I would give the sleeper hits a designation. What was that, Justin? This I would give a sleeper hit designation. And what happened then, and then in 13 years later, in 20, in 2006, it made $11.1 million.
And then when it got re-released in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2020, and 2023, its reissues earned $15.8 million, $2.5 million, $2.3 and $10 million. Yeah, sleeper hat. And the and you know when it came out, like critically, it wasn't a disappointment. It, the critics basically said it's good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They just basically said it's good. It's nothing. It's nothing groundbreaking, but it's good. And. Okay, because here's what you got to think about at this point. This is what you got to think about at this point. This is when Disney was in the middle of their renaissance. Yep. In which the year before Aladdin made... Five hundred and four point one million dollars against a twenty-eight million dollar budget. That's a lot of money. And before, and the year before that, Beauty and the Beast <sighs> Beauty and the Beast made. $424 million against a $25 million budget. Yeah, so Disney was just pumping on hit after hit with the Renaissance. So, okay, this was technically a Disney movie at the time, but there was this whole thing that thought it was going to be too dark and scary for kids. Right. So they put, put it under your, so they put it under their subsidiary logo, Touchstones, where they put their more adult movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And but you know what? A movie that was, that when it came out to, you know, a modest hit and and, and you know, meh, critical success. Over the next couple years, the film in a way has gained a cult following. Because, like, for instance, if you go to a a hot topic between September oh. and January, all you're going to see is Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Correct. Yep. Free Forum shows this movie both during their 31 Nights of Halloween and their 25 Days of Christmas lineup. What's so funny? Really milking it. Both holidays, huh? And if you go to Disneyland from September to January, they redo the Haunted Mansion for Haunted Mansion Holiday to coincide with both Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party and Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Hmm. And listen, there's a debate about that. I don't go to Disney much, but... They started in like September on the Mansion Holiday. And I think that's way too much. If you're trying to go for the more Christmas aspect of it, then I would say because a lot of people say, 
when I go there during Halloween, I want to see the original Haunted Mansion. I would say, you know, leave, leave the mansion be during Halloween. And then, like, maybe around Thanksgiving, start putting the Nightmare Before Christmas stuff up and then leave it up till New Year's. What do you think, guys? That sounds reasonable. Yeah. So... So this movie, so this movie went from a modest hit to a cultural phenomenon. I yield. I have nothing to say, uh, Bill. Do you, I mean, uh, Justin, do you have anything to say? I still haven't seen that. Oh, you have? I've seen it. I don't know. It's like it's not. I I like the movie. I'm just not a how to how to put this. Oh, I love it. I know it's one of your it's one of your favorite movies of all time, right? I wouldn't go that. Way. It's one of my favorite animated movies. Okay, I'll say it's one of my favorite animated movies, but compared to others, uh, that's that's a pretty tall bill to pay, there, dude. Yeah, I I wasn't sure how it ranks in your all time greatest movies list or whatever. You know, one day we got to do that. Our all time favorite movie list that's coming one day. Our top, yeah, I think we did a top ten movies of all time. Right? Was that in the no? One no we didn't do that. That we'll do that in the future. In the future. 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 We love having fun here on the Superview Show. We're just having some good, wholesome fun. Yes. Um, I have one. Ooh. It is widely regarded as one of the best movies of all time. Let's hear it. it. Came out a year later from this, actually. I think I know what it is. And it bombed. Was it it was Redemption. It went bombed to Beloved. It's on AMC, the TV channel, all the time. But the Shawshank Redemption. Some call this a perfect movie. I have. I just want to say this really quick. One of my. I've said this before. I'll say it again. One of my reasons I do. I, I even do this in the online space is in the beginning with Bill or Justin or whoever, Ali, Danny Boy Reg, all of our friends that have come on over the time. The reason why I even do this in the first place is because of one man known as John Campio. John Cambia's YouTube channel is great. I highly recommend you check it out. He does a great work with podcasting, YouTube segments, etc. Check his content out. He is incredible. He's the reason why I do this, and one day I hope to meet him. This is in his top 10 favorite movies of all time. He causes a perfect 10 out of 10. I can see why. I can see why, too. It actually, it, and I, for a long time, like, what is the Shawshank? I see it on TV all the time, and I finally sat down and watched it on uh, either streaming or I rented it. I forget how exactly the first time I saw it, but I saw it and I loved it. The moment I saw it, such a beautiful movie. He actually thinks, not me, and I want to get Justin's opinion on this in a second. He thinks it should have won Best Picture in 1994 over Forrest Gump. I mean, out of the big three that year were Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump won Best Picture in 94. 30 years ago, if you think about that for a second. So, 
That being said, Forrest Gump won Best Picture in 94. He says Shawshank Redemption should have won Best Picture in 94. We talked about that at one point. Our biggest, biggest Oscar snubs, too. Remember that, Bill? Yes. I mean, you know who we did that with? Doctor. Matt Hemsley. I remember Hemsley. If you're available March 6th, your, your ass better be here. For our Oscars recap and uh, preview, preview as well. Or Oscars preview. And recap, too, if he wants to join in. Besides the point, though. I mean, the Oscars are the Oscars. But my I mean, like, Forrest Gump is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But Shawshank, I think Shawshank should have won that year. But that's me. Justin, you got a hot take on that or no? Um, I don't, mostly because I still haven't seen this one. Oh, my God. Bill, can you shame him for a second? Shame! Justin, we love you to death. We truly do. But boy, good. Just sit, it's how how long is this movie? It's got to be at least two and a half. It's two hours and twenty two minutes. Can you find time in your busy schedule to watch this one movie? This is widely regarded as well, like the Godfather of the nineties. And it turns thirty. We should. You mean that wasn't Goodfellas? No, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, I not I exactly what I had in mind, but see. <laughs> Bill? Bill, I love this movie. It's uh, it's in my top ten of all time. Like, I, saw I remember when I want because my dad shout out to Papa Murph. Papa he, Murph. He said you got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie. And then one day I sat down and watched it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, Frank Darabont. This is one of those movies that made me speechless. Yeah, it's a movie that actually like changes lives. I mean, I'm not saying Forrest Gump or Pulp Fiction didn't, but you know, come on. And uh, the movie made no money at the box office. Go ahead, Bill, sorry. You are right, like what John Campia said. Like, here's yeah. something. The, we talked about this a couple years ago when we did our Oscar snubs with Dr. Hemsley. Yes. They polled Academy members in controversial decisions if they were to vote again, like such as 1976, they would have voted for all the president's men over Rocky. Right. 1998, they would have voted for Saving Private Ryan over Shakespeare in Love. I would have too. But they said they pulled the 1994 again. They would have voted for Shawshank Redemption over Forrest Gump. I tend to agree. Oh. And then that's no diss to Forrest Gump either. But go ahead. But like you said, this movie made no money at the box office and it ended up getting nominated for Best Picture. How many Oscars was it nominated for? Hold on one second. Let me see this. So on a budget of $25 million, it made $28 million worldwide. That's a huge flop. Yeah, that's not great. It that's a, Justin, you got to see this movie. I'm sorry. Which means it was a disappointment. Yeah. How I just want to see the, the Oscar. Um... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Box office said 73 million. Box total. office Mojo said box office Mojo said something else. This one says 73. That's because of the re-releases over time. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. Post-theatrical. 
They shipped over 1995. They shipped over 320,000 rental VHS copies of the tape. It's the seventh top rental of 1995. Gotcha. So rental is what did it. Uh, uh, anyways, I just, it's in my top 10 of all time. It's one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. If you have not seen it, Justin, get on it. Get on it. Get on it. Um, It's just, my God, man, this is, it's, it's fun. And it was, oh, oh. I forget how many I mean, outside of best picture is also nominated for other Oscars too. I forget how much what other Oscars it was nominated for, but let's check really quick. Uh Oscar nominee for I'm pulling it up, I don't care. Uh, I forget. Oh, it came out on, on October 14th, 1994. A day before and four years prior to my birthday. How about that? Opening weekend. Here you go. Here you go. There you go. So the the box office right here, it was a $25 million movie to make an opening weekend in the United States of America was $727,000. Ouch. Okay. That hurts. But because of the positive word of mouth and VHS releases and it's shown on TV along with like Green Mile every other day on AMC or TNT or one of those channels there. It is shown all the time. This movie is an incredible film. You know, it's funny. One of my friends, who I haven't, I haven't seen in a while. I got to pay a visit. Mr. Andrew Schultes. I love you. You're one of my good friends. Um, shout out to you. Um, he saw this movie for the first time ever on HBO Max recently. And, he, and I said, what'd you think of it? He's like, damn great movie. Incredible. That's what his words were. So, you know, Forrest Gump may have won Best Picture, but I think Shawshank, I think the 1994 Oscar deserved was Shawshank Redemption, for being honest. So, because you think about it, Forrest Gump kind of like won over the audiences in the in the during the year, made a lot of money, critically acclaimed, beautiful story. Shawshank was kind of like the underdog that year, but Shawshank has gone on to achieve more success later on in the, throughout its lifetime. Mm-hmm. And Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Tim Robbins is a Rangers fan too, Bill. I mean that. Hey, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. He lives in New York City now too. Um, but it's an incredible story. Incredible. It's, it's based on the Stephen King novel, short story, correct? Right. I think so. Yes. I believe it was based on the Stephen King short novel or short story. But, and Frank Darabont did an incredible job with it. So great movie overall. It made. So little money, and it's one of the best movies of all time. One of those, it was a box office flop that later had a lot of success later on in life. So, and I love it. It's in my top ten movies of all time. Um, I just, I have another pick as well, but I'm gonna let Justin go next because it's uh, his turn. So, Justin, you got any more at all? Um, actually, I don't. Okay, I think I'm I, good. I have one more if you want to touch on. Okay, it. I, I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a cult. I mean, I, I I don't know if it's either one, but I do I do know it didn't it didn't do well at the box office. But and this is in my top ten favorite movies of all time too. Because if you have not seen this movie that I'm about to mention, stop listening to us, stop streaming us, find your ne- nearest red box and get this movie. 
No, because we'll the, red end, box. the ending of this movie is one of the greatest endings in cinematic history. I'm scared that I'm going to have to end the call if if I hadn't seen this movie. Justin, if you have not seen The Usual Suspects, I'm going to kill you. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> wow. Shame, shame, shame. No, I want to see. I know the twist. Don't tell anyone, though. Shh. Stop it. Um, This is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time, too. I just want to touch on it for a sec. Because I don't know. If, I don't think it made a lot of money. I don't think it's okay on a budget. Oh no, here it is. So, all right, all right, on a budget of six million dollars, it made twenty-three million worldwide. Is that a flop or is that a success? Um, that's a that's a modest success. I would say that's a modest success. Modest success for it. It's it's got a cult following as well. It's in my top ten of all time. But yeah, opening. Oh no, oh, again, opening weekend. Positive word of mouth again. Opening weekend was six hundred and forty-five thousand dollars in forty-two theaters, and because of its word of mouth, it made a total of twenty-three million dollars worldwide in its release in nineteen ninety-five in the late August. For those of you who don't know what it's about, I'm not going to give away the ending because the ending is one of the best endings I've ever seen in movies. I actually showed it to someone recently, and they're like, "What? What? That's..." It's an incredible film. And it's also, for those you know, the director's name is Brian Singer. Brian Singer went on to have a lot of success with the X-Men films. He directed X-Men 1, 2, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. Um, he also directed Jack the Giant Slayer. Wouldn't want to talk about that. Uh, he also directed, um, oh no, actually, and you know who wrote this movie? You know who wrote this movie, Justin? Who, who wrote it? And Bill? The current director of the Mission Impossible films, Christopher McQuarrie. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Christopher yeah, McQuarrie wrote and directed the last four of well, the current Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 that's coming out this year next year. Uh, and he also wrote, uh, he directed Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, Fallout, and Dead Reckoning Part 1 and uh, 2 as well. He wrote, he wrote and directed those, but he, he wrote The Usual Suspects. So, and, yes. but, but, no, no, Usual Suspects. It's a, I'm not going to give away the ending because I want you guys to go home to watch this movie and check it out if you're listening to us or we're viewing us on YouTube, whatever. So it's these five guys that called into a line. There's a cripple, there's a, a mobster, there's a guy with a you know, tall guy. And by the way, uh, the, what's the Marvel character with Howard the Duck? What's his name? The Marvel character. Um, Howard the Duck? No, no, not Howard the Duck. The owner of Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Benicio Del Toro. Collector? Yeah, the collector. Benicio Del Toro is in this movie, along with uh, Kevin Spacey. And basically, it's these five guys who get pulled into a crime. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Five guys get pulled into a crime scene. And, and, and you know, there was, a, there was a guy in a harbor killing many. I'm doing a poor job of explaining this. Guy gets pulled into a, a crime lab, crime scene. Say, hey. You're the only one who survived this mob scene. Can you tell us about Kaiser Soze, a known terrorist who was trying to kill people? Who was a known assassin? He, they believe he's the devil himself. Um, and you know who is Kaiser Soze? Whatever, right? To get into the whole thing, and I'm not going to—I'm not giving away the ending whatsoever. But the ending is incredible. You have to see this movie if you get a chance. It is in cinematic epicness at its finest. Cinematic purification, purest, incredible film. Just a great movie overall. 
But uh, the film is about these these five guys that get pulled. One guy gets pulled into a crime scene, and you know, you know f- five guys walk into a crime scene. Only one guy comes out alive. They question the guy, and then see what happens from there. I'm not telling you the ending, like I said. We have to just see this movie. It's a great, 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 great movie. One of my favorite movies of all time. Usual Suspects from 1995. Anyways, but yeah, it was a modest success on a budget of six million dollars for an R-rated movie. It made a uh, twenty-three million dollars. That's that's not bad at all, you know. Yes, it's not great. It's not great. No, it's not, not bad. bad at all. But if you have not seen The Usual Suspects, get on it. One of my favorite movies. One of my top ten of all time, easily. So, uh, anything else, guys? Before we wrap it up for the night? Um, no, nah, I think we're good. I think we're okay. So I think uh, I think that's gonna do it for us, guys. Thanks so much for watching, listening. However, you enjoyed us tonight. Hopefully, you enjoyed this as much as as much as we did tonight. We went for a really long show tonight just for you guys to just, we love, yeah. out there to just for you, the listener and the viewer to enjoy some good content. And hopefully, you know, the, like they said, the, these are movies that were sleeper movies like they like they didn't do that well or they let, let, went on to become cult classics. And that's a good topic. Bill. Bravo. Cool. Thank you. Um, I want to thank my panelists of incredible, insightful people known as Bill and Justin, as always, for helping me out. We're with incredible this. and insightful. Yes. Um, for those of you who are listening to us, watching us on YouTube Live right now, whatever you want to do, um, this Saturday, today is Wednesday, January 17th. By the time this gets uploaded to the podcast format, it'll be Thursday, January 18th. On our YouTube channel, and I'm putting this out there right now, we are going to be doing, the three of us are doing, well, and Justin's girlfriend as well is joining us as well. Uh, we're going to be doing a live stream benefiting our local charities as well right here on the Superview Show. Um, we're not telling you where we are in the country or whatever, in the U.S., but we're, just, we're in our local town and community, um, we are going to be benefiting some local charities and doing a, an eight, a roughly a six to eight hour live stream on this Saturday, January 20th. Um, benefiting people in need. So if you are looking to support a good cause to help out people in need, help out people who are hungry and can't afford to eat food or are hurt or cancer survivors, please and- tune in this one second. Please tune in this Saturday to help have a good cause and support people in need. Bill, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, folks, just because the holidays are over, that doesn't mean people don't need help. Yeah. Because I we're, feel like every yeah. year it's like once – the, the decorations go away. It's like charitable giving goes down. Because yep. we were going to do this in December. Too but then things came up. Yep. So we said, you know what? Maybe it's good we're doing this in January. Because it shows that just because the calendar changes from December to January doesn't mean people still don't need help. Exactly. And I am all for when uh, one of the, and we're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts to help benefit people in need. In our local area of where we live, uh, to help out people who just can't afford to eat, can't afford to pay rent, you know, or there's a list of charities. If you go to our, uh, just so, bottom line, just tune in this Saturday on our YouTube channel. If you get a chance, we're going to go live for like about eight hours. We're breaking it down in individual parts, for about two and a half hours, two hours each uh, of each segment. And then we're going to keep going live from there and just to support people in need. Uh, we're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts. What you can do, what you can do, though, is tune in to us, ask us questions about movies, music, television, uh, sports to an extent. We got board, we got Bill from the Sports Sunny Network here, too. Um, and we're going to have a good time by doing that as well. So please, 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 please tune in this Saturday, January 20th, on our YouTube channel, which is called The Super Review Show. 
on YouTube and you can check us out there and we'll be doing a ton of answering your questions and answers. We'll be answering your questions um, to, to help support people in need. And I'll put the links and stuff in the description of that video. So when the time comes, we can go live on that day. We'll be live around like 10-ish a.m. Between 10, 10 and 11, we'll say between that. Between 10 or 10.30 a.m. this Saturday um, on our YouTube channel on EST. AT really wants to start this early. Well, if we're going to go for a long time, we might as well. And then we're going to have some snacks. We'll have some food, whatever. we got some drinks as well. J J Justin and Bill and, and Justin's girlfriend, Catherine, is going to help us out. Too. You've seen Catherine before as well. Um, but thanks so much she's for watching. Some appearances. That yeah, she's made some appearances. <laughs> um, but please tune in next, this coming Saturday for us on our YouTube channel for support us. Um, please do. It's a, for a good cause. We're doing it out of the goodness of our hearts to help people in need that we know need help. Uh, because we're 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 fortunate if we have a roof over our heads where we can do this and have a good time. And that so, we have our health and that we have food on the table. Yeah, and these and the people that we you the people that you can help donate money to and help the, the benefit these people are people that just like genuinely can can cannot afford to eat, cannot afford to do things on their own. They they literally live in shelters. We're doing this out of the goodness of our hearts to help people in need, so they can just and you donate money, the money goes straight to them. We don't touch it. There's no third party. We There's don't no third party. I I will put the donation links in that description of that video as well. And, and when we do our stream on Saturday, you'll see that more as well. But but please 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 tune in for that if you're listening to us as well. Um, but thanks so much for watching this mixed bag episode. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And uh, Bill, you have a I mentioned this before. You have a sports thing or whatever. Sports Insanity podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Check us out. We're on all platforms. And the playoffs are here, so we got some things to talk about. Yes, the NFL is going on right now. The Super Bowl is coming up soon. We cannot wait to talk about that. But yeah, and we might please, be doing a little Super Bowl thing here. The we week might before the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about that uh, at some point soon. But yeah, we're we are talking about that doing as well. But seriously, guys, thanks so much for watching us and having you enjoy us tonight. Sound off in the comment section below if you like what we've seen here. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you like you've seen her. Like if you've heard here, please follow us on our subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, thanks so much for watching, guys. So for all of us here at the Super Show, please tune in this, this Saturday as well. But stay safe. Take care. Take care and, and be awesome. Be awesome.